0: You found the virtually possible podcast. Join the discussion on future of work, organizational design and personal growth. Dzień dobry, dobry wieczór. That is good morning or good evening in Polish, depending on what time you're tuning in at. Today, we're traveling all the way home to Poland to the beautiful city of Warsaw to catch up with Piotr Smoling, my college buddy and the founder and CEO of Symmetrical. We studied together at the Warsaw School of Economics in the beginning of this century. And then Piotr took on the adventure capitalist hat uh, while I was trying to fight my sustainability fight. But now he's also looking for more sustainability and equality in the world of employee finance. So we're sitting down today to talk about all things symmetry and symmetrical money equality crisis management so basically the classic topics of everyday polish reality and welcome Piotr, to the podcast
1: Hi, and thank you for having me today.
0: Do you actually go by Piotrek or do you go by Peter when you speak internationally?
1: Internationally, I try to teach people to pronounce Polish Piotr, but Mm -hmm. it is totally impossible for many people. So sometimes, you know, we go easy way and Peter, but I prefer Piotr.
0: Mm. So we'll stick to Piotr. In Polish, we say Piotrek, which is the nickname. I hope either of those two work. Thank you for taking some time to talk to me today. You're super well-versed in entrepreneurship, starting companies, selling companies, founding new companies. And so I wanted to talk to you about How did you find that spirit in yourself? Because from where we come from, for context, like Orso School of Economics, there's a lot of people who then take on that business path and start their own businesses. But there's also a lot of people that go into investment banking, venture capital, and just stay as employees on this track. So what made you switch from the latter to the former?
1: Yeah, so I think it's a good question. Actually, it all started before I was born. When, oh, when, really? I, when I just okay. thought about this, you know, I, my dad, he's an entrepreneur, uh, like serial entrepreneur, and he, he went bankrupt two times or three times okay. in my life. So mm. actually I was, I touched entrepreneurship from the very beginning of my life and with all of the strings attached, so all kind of pros and cons of being mm-hmm. entrepreneur. First of all, I couldn't imagine becoming somebody else. So that's the first thing, because it was like the, the only role model for me when I was very young. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, what my father always told me was that being an entrepreneur is the easiest path to live fulfilling life, mm-hmm. meaning that this is the only way you can control your destiny. And it is you who control your, your fate. You can choose the people you want to work with. You can choose the problem you want to solve. You can choose how you want to spend your time every day. And I think it's a big privilege on the other side, of course, I saw the the flip side of this of this case, meaning you know, when my my dad went bankrupt, we had almost no money, had a lot of financial problems, my parents divorced and and so on and so on. so basically, of course, everything has pros and cons but, I, from my early years, I just couldn't really believe that I could become somebody else to being an entrepreneur. And then why well, that's why I go, I went to the Warsaw School of Economics. And actually, I started first business as a student. So, so basically, no, the only path for me.
0: Wow. I went to Warsaw School of Economics because you didn't have to choose a major in the first two years. <laughs> I was so clueless about what I wanted to do. I had no idea. What was the business that you started when you were in high school?
1: So it was while i was a student so it was like university Oh, sorry. yeah actually it was a funny story it's because together with my friend we created the software erp software for library we've built oh. in book leasing for the for the users of libraries the biggest challenge for us was that first of all nobody wanted to pay for this because libraries they did not have much money and then we after we started to give this software for free give it away for free we just realized that still nobody wanted to pay for it. And even yeah. nobody wanted to use it. So, yeah. so basically it was like a crazy idea. We, My friend, because he was a IT guy, I was a business guy, he just created the whole software. And we created the product, it was called Moliber.com, But actually it was like a Goodreads plus ERP software for library plus a lot of things that we, we failed. And it was the first business I failed, the second business I failed. Also the university was like a, advertising business. So I, oh, I just did screens in the, in the buses. We analyzed the GPS position of the bus. So basically, if you cross through next to the supermarket, mm-hmm. we just sure. do supermarket advertising and so on. And we also failed because the cost of, of paying for the space in the bus was higher than the revenue could get from the advertisement. And the next business I started just after the university succeeded, but it was not so optimistic at the very beginning.
0: But was that Turbine? Was that yes, the one? Yes, it was turbine. Yeah.
1: It was turbine, yes. Yeah.
0: So what was turbine about before we go to Symmetrical? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about
1: Okay. That. So so basically one important thing is that I really love finance and it's it's my passion. For most of my life I started to trade. Like equities and derivatives, quite quite soon at the high school and all throughout the university, I just do, did a lot of trading. And after graduating from Warsaw School of Economics, I just realized, okay, I have a lot of experience in trading, in quantitative trading. I really understand derivatives, understand options, all of, all those kind of kind of quant quant stuff. And I met a friend who just returned from London, working for from JP for JP Morgan. Mm-hmm classic uh, Yes, to Poland. And we said, okay, let's create a hedge fund. And we were quite young. I was just a, you know, student without big experience because I, I just did a kind of like a practice in the private equity funds. And we just started it. And the big issue was that we just could not get any capital to invest. It was like very naive. We just thought, okay, let's create a good strategy. Let's back this strategy and small money. And then let the investors will come. And actually, nobody mm. came. So basically, oh, we created a, we created software again for ourselves. It was like trading risk management software, and we just I just thought that okay, it's, it's the third business I would have to close, and I I just borrowed money from my father just to do it. And my father told me, okay, it's your last shot. If if this time you fail, mm-hmm. you go working to the corporation, and you you will have go work for a bank, <laughs> a corporate career. And then if you learn something. You will go back and become an entrepreneur. And by the way, when I was at your age, I already I've been already a successful entrepreneur, so go on, do something with, with this. As
0: always, Polish parents are always so supportive. Like this
1: is <laughs> <laughs> so actually we just ran out of initial money, we, we did not get any investors, and it really looked like we will have to switch switched for the corporate job again, mm-hmm. for the Cuba, my, my co-founder perspective again, it would be my first experience. But then really we are very lucky, which means that one of our partners told us, guys, I don't really believe in your strategy, but I really like the software you created for yourself. And then by the way, there's a new regulation in European Union and every asset manager should, should have very professional software Manage the risk and all of the providers of software, they did not manage to prepare, the, the, prepare their like software suit to do this. Mm-hmm. So basically, you have I would like to buy your solution, but my hint is that you should sell it to everyone on the market because everyone needs it. It is impossible to do it using Excel, and then the regulation will come in the next six months and nobody is ready. So basically, what we did is we had like back we had very simplified front end. We created a lot of mock-ups and started to sell mockups. Mm-hmm. And we won like the four four first clients, even without showing them the product, just mock-up, and we told them, okay, backend is ready. Now just the front end. This is the solution. You know, look at it, it's really beautiful, easy to use. Let's implement it. And we started to sell risk management software to asset managers in Poland. And we were quite successful in the next like six years. We just won over 50% of the market share of Polish asset management industry. We got first clients in Austria, in Luxembourg, and a couple of more countries. We just won a big risk management contract with banks and insurance players becoming, I would say, that the biggest software pro- risk software provider in our country, capital market risk software.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and then we sold this business for, for awesome. the money to private equity fund from from california we were totally lucky we made all of the mistakes we could it is just pure luck nothing more it was just a perfect
0: way to come in into this new business but again a good lesson to learn that timing is everything right because that regulation really kind of saved your ass in terms you know, of... i
1: would say that my you know looking backward i believe that it is really difficult to just connect the dots like i think you can do this looking backwards but What I believe in is that if you are an entrepreneur in the market, talking to the customers, and if you have a passion, so you know, okay, I want to do something like this, you always, you would always find a problem that needs to be solved better than existing solutions. So it's a matter of time, of persistence, but I I strongly believe that once you're in the market, once you talk to the hundreds of potential customers, you will figure out how to deliver value somehow and make money Mm -hmm. on this, of course.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's a very good point. It's hard to have hindsight in the moment, but if you talk to enough people, they look at your business and your idea from a perspective, from a distance. So it's easier for them to see also other things happening and it's easier for them to say, oh, or point you to a direction or another person or a good contact. Say, okay, look, but this is how they're doing this. This is what's happening. And then you're able to then use that feedback and, and yeah. hopefully improve your business. Yeah,
1: and of course it is good that if you saw solve- your your problem first and then mm-hmm. because you know the problem area yeah, the best and then you can just figure out if somebody or the society really need this problem to be solved somehow and maybe mm-hmm. at scale but still I, I agree with you and i would say that from the entrepreneur perspective the only way to build successful business is to solve a problem that's as simple as that
0: yeah I agree. And as we were speaking about um, entrepreneurship, uh, I did want to ask about the sabotaging voices. As you're trying to build your own thing and it's not always going well and you have a good experience of having a few companies that were not extremely successful immediately, how do you keep going? How do you get your motivation day in and day out to do it?
1: Basically, I believe that there are like two threads that really separates like, great entrepreneurs from good or okay entrepreneurs. First is persistence. So basically, it is like what I realized when I started the new business is that you get hit in your face like every day. Every day and every day you get hit. When I started, it was quite easy because, okay, I, I... actually i didn't have anything to lose the only alternative i had is to go to working for the corporation for the like initial amount of money which is not big so i just realized okay i just prefer to do whatever else maybe the the older you are the more experience you have the better track record you have you have less choices unfortunately because you have alternative costs you can see you know mm-hmm. okay if i were to work somewhere i could make huge money and then but at the very beginning, it's easy to be persistent because you know you have you don't have alternative. But I believe that you know, one is you need to have be persistent, you need to be ready to hear no all over the again. You will be talking to the potential investors saying no, potential clients saying no, potential employees saying no, not willing to join you, and then you need to mm-hmm. somehow figure out how to it happens. So that's the first thing. Second is, I think, optimism. I always believe that the best possible thing would happen to me. And then very often it happens. So basically, I, I'm really, when I start doing something, I, my approach is, okay, I will succeed. I'm optimistic. If not this way, that well, I will use that way. So you need to add optimism and persistence. And I think that if you do this, it, it is a matter of time and luck if you were, if you were to be successful or not.
0: But even with luck, right, you also can make your own destiny to a point. But I think those traits of being very hardworking and not letting go in, in situations where, they, where there's not always favorable wind, sometimes you have to persist, like you said.
1: Yeah, and I would say that not necessarily just hard work. For me, the very important concept in life, in life is compound interest. I got to know it from finance. So basically, you you should play iterated games, iterations. And I believe that the the biggest results in life, in in relationships, in knowledge, in health, comes from compound interest. If you are 1% better every day for a year, you will will be 30 or 40 times better after a year. So basically, hard work plus persistence and long-term view is the right way to go.
0: Did you also read Atomic Habits by James Clear? Because he always of course, is, of course he always I, is one percent I, I read a
1: lot of like those kind of, of stuff. Just, you know, I believe that the books are just a great way to increase your leverage. So basically, You can learn something from somebody else and use it as a leverage just to move faster, learn faster. So I, I love reading.
0: What are your top three books that you would recommend to people if they're trying to get this kind of mindset that you have of optimism, of uh, persistence, of compounding interests and understanding the long-term vision?
1: Actually, it's quite difficult for me just to name three books. I, I just read thousands of, of them. Maybe a few books that I read recently I really liked. Okay, uh, sure. So, like, Who You Are Is What You Do by, by Ben Ben Horowitz. Mm-hmm. It's all about, like, building bulletproof corporate culture and a different way of thinking about how to create an organization. Second book, which is, like, really interesting for me, and I'm reading it just right now, is "Elephant in the Brain. It's all about the real reasons why we do what we do and this hidden agendas we have for ourselves, and the way we lie to ourselves when we make the life decisions, business decisions, and and so on. And that for the for the third book, I, I really love this biography of Warren Buffett, it's mm-hmm. a snowball. And what and I really like his philosophy is that life is like a snowball. If you have snow sticky enough, and the slope is you know enough just to move fast down, your your career is like a snowball. So. I would would like recommend those free books. Yeah.
0: One other thing that I wanted to ask before we maybe move to talking about business, is there anything else that you, in the context of building a company, find super important, not maybe on an individual level, but on a company level? Like what are the, the core components of a successful startup?
1: Again, there are a lot of things that need to be considered. First, most important thing is still is all about the, the founders or, or the founder. Ability to sell is absolutely crucial to build a new business. It's a, just a, you know, it's a zero moment when you want to start the business because at the zero day, you have to sell something which is non-existent to the client, the first first clients. Then you need to sell the company which is non-existent, non-existing to the first employees, first hires. And then you need to sell this crazy idea to the first investors that they will give you money just to make it happen. You have very three, very hard sales pitches. And then I would say that if you're an entrepreneur, selling is the... Is One of the two most important things for you just to do, like you need to build, you need to sell, and if you can de- do both, you're unstoppable. So that's the first thing. But coming back, I started your questions about how to think about business. So to make it successful. So first of all, again, I will repeat. First of all, you need to solve a problem. Most of the startups fail because they don't solve any problem. And even they don't deliver better product than existing alternatives. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing. Second thing I would really recommend is just to search for a really small market, really niche, niche. market, yeah. small market. Mm-hmm. Don't think about like I am selling something to everyone. I think that's the best way to start with is let start to really, really small group of people who will be really engaged and really you know excited about your solution, and then you can just grow from from from, from that point. So that's the, the second thing. First thing is that that do not scale organization before you feel that you you get product market fit. So do not hire people, create processes. You know, you need to be sure that the clients want to buy your product. So the dog should eat the dog's food. So basically you need to prove it before you you scale. So like a couple of hints. I believe that the crucial point is that first of all, do deliver value, second, did you figure out was the distribution channel that is really scalable and efficient, uh, even if it does not make money in short term? Mm-hmm. Uh, second is, can you create network effects or can you build a mode around the business model, which will ultimately be able to be monetized in the future? So basically a lot of successful businesses did not generate the revenue for very long. Even like, most of the businesses I know generate, generate very small revenues for the first two years of the operations before they really get this exponential, exponential growth. So that's the first thing. Second, hiring people just for hiring people is totally pointless. If I were to start any new business right now, I would not have more than 10 people before I feel that I get product market fit. It does not mean that I have to have like a revenues, but I feel that I really deliver value and I can grow because the more people you have, the bigger, the biggest, the bigger the complexity of your organization. The more interactions just to implement any change. For every business, you need to keep things easy, mm-hmm. easy communication, small organization, simple product, not too many features. Keeping everything easy is the crucial point to be, to build a really big business.
0: So first of all, focus on focus on solving the problem, and then focus on the product market fit and then focus on growing the organization as a business um, if you have to.
1: And the last thing, revenues.
0: If you were to think about the mistakes, especially in the first three businesses, but even maybe at symmetrical, have there already been situations where you were like, you know? sure.
1: sure. Okay, (laughs) Is there anything you'd like to share? Of course, a lot of examples. So maybe one interesting example from Turbine. What we started, you know, we started in a totally scrappy way. Just get first clients by accident, build software and sell it while it's not non-existent and so on. And you know, after like two or three years of managing this product, it was a little bit outdated. So we just mm-hmm. told ourselves, okay, let's build the next generation risk management product that will be ideal. And then we just invested a lot of resources and we invested a lot of time and we designed ideal product with all of the features, all of the features necessary just to win global competition for risk. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we were selling this initial product, which was quite simple. And actually, after like two years of working on a new product, what we realized is, gosh, nobody really wants to use it. It's too complicated. It does not work efficiently. It has too many features, too complex for the clients to use it. Instead of like working in iterations, making our... First product better and better every quarter we just thought okay we can create something ideal and basically it was a huge mistake we, we lost a lot of money developing this solution i think that right now maybe it works for a couple of clients but it's not as successful as this initial simple scrappy product we uh, created and my big lesson is that a couple of lessons so first of all you need to listen to your customers and you don't have, don't have to have ideal solution and it is better to iterate and improve on something which what really works rather than build build something ideal. So that's the first thing. Second lesson is that if something works, do not stop it from working. I mean that if it works, let's help it to work even better, but do not try to figure out something new because something what and I think this lesson also applies for hiring. I realized in my over 10 years of experience in being entrepreneur is that in even after three months, I feel that somebody's, really doing his his or her job well, it ticks and it would work well. But if there are like problems, there were many, many cases in which I told myself, okay, let's try to optimize, let's try to help this person to, you know, deliver goals and so on. And I always failed. So basically, if something did not work for me, it did not work out ever. Uh, if something worked from the day zero, it used to work for, for very long time, long term. So that was the, First thing, lessons from the, the first business I, I mentioned, so from Moliber. So basically you need to create a solution that really is used by anybody. And it's, it's a yeah. quite simple, but important lesson. The lesson from the second business was, is that you need to understand the underlying unit economics in the long run. If mm-hmm. you scale your business and without really calculating if, if you could ever make money on this, I think it's not the, the wisest idea ever. Mm.
0: Yeah, very interesting. There are great lessons. It's so awesome to be learning from somebody who's already made the mistakes so you can save yourself from doing them. But it also seems like anybody who's really starting a business, they stumble upon some kind of challenges and they a lot of times find that, oh, we haven't listened to the customers. We really were trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And like the people that we hired were not good, but we kept them. Or we didn't go through the basic comps, uh, sorry, like the basic maths of whether this is actually feasible. Let's talk about the newest baby, not your daughter, but because technically the daughter is I think the youngest baby that you have, but (laughs) the company is a bit older. So when did you guys start Symmetrical? How did you realize that this is such a big problem? And maybe we can talk a little bit about what is the problem that you're trying to solve?
1: So it's really important to say it's still, it is again connected with my, my doubts from the past. So basically when I grew up, my biggest challenge like in life was lack of no financial comfort because of the bankruptcy of my father our like financial life was very very volatile and it it also motivated me to just to choose this entrepreneurial path in which i can Mm -hmm. just a a chance win this independence financial independence after exiting from the first business just the first business i just managed to achieve this but but basically, I, what I thought is okay. The you know the volatility of earnings and lack of financial comfort. It was a huge issue for me in, in my life. All of my friends managed to go abroad to learn languages. I could not. So basically, yeah. if I could go somewhere abroad, it was just for work, and I could just learn in the meantime. This like problem of, of lack of financial comfort is really close to to myself for, for years. And then when I ran the turbine, my first clients were investment funds, but then I used to work with banks and insurance players. When working for them, delivering the services for them, what they realized is that most of the financial institutions, they have customers in free baskets. So the good customers, okay customers, and bad customers. Nobody wants to serve the bad customers. It's because they're too risky. They do not buy all the products and so on. But if you look at the market and who the bad customer is, usually it is just average person. So average person with average salary, with little to no savings, working for the factories, working for the supermarket chains, and so on. So we have, like in Poland, I would say that 40-something percent of the working population are those like bad or okay customers. And they are not served well, they are underserved, they overpay for most of the financial uh, instruments because all, all of the financial institutions, they compete to get the best customers. So, so they pay to get those guys who have like, good cars, who can buy insurance, they can buy investment funds and so on. And then and because it's get...
0: all about selling the portfolio of products, right? And yes. the bad customers can only, the basic product, it's not profitable anyway. So it's never about the bank account.
1: It's always about the whole portfolio. Exactly. Exactly. And even if you look at the loans or credit, so the problem with credit is that, uh, that if you want to get the, the right price for credit, it takes ages because you cannot compare the price for credit. If you go to mm-hmm. the price comparison sites, it's just degeneration. And then the, the longer you you stay with uh, one bank, you get most probably better price, but it will take ages for you to get this price. And still, if you're not this privileged person, so if you have like volatile earnings, you're Uber driver, or you work mm-hmm. on shifts in the factory, you get a very high price, even for cash loans. So what I realized is, okay, the financial market is very asymmetrical, which means that we have a huge powerful institutions with superior access to data, with superior access to legal specialists, and they are just always two steps ahead of normal people. And then they force normal people just to overpay for the services. And those normal people, they really struggle very often with this financial security or financial comfort. And what I was thinking about, okay, maybe we can create a technology that will enable those average people in average jobs not to overpay for financial services and to be served better and to be able to access better, more ethical financial products. And this is why we called our business symmetrical, just to make the financial market more symmetrical. Mm -hmm. At the very beginning, we just thought, okay, how can we create this technology? And we just wanted to create the marketplace, connecting banks and and the users, but no bank really wanted to participate in it because it will Mm -hmm. mean lower margins for them. So we started to search who can be the best partner or best market to go to, and then we look at employers because the employers are trusted, Oracle, they are trusted by people, by the employees, they are trusted by the Financial institutions, because they ask employers before they give you a credit for your uh, real estate assets. And in the best interest of the employer is that you as an employee feel financially comfortable. The financial relationship is key for the employers because you just give your effort and time to your employer. In return, you get money, meaning you get financial comfort or financial security. What well, we thought, okay, maybe we can create a technology that will enable employers to do more than just salary, just to bring financial power to the employees, because they will be more focused, more motivated, they will be more loyal, and, and so on. And we tested this thesis a little bit more than one year ago, and actually, mm-hmm. it, it worked. So this is like yeah, I mean, quite a long story. Out, but
0: Yeah, this is great, though. So how does that work in practice? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about okay. that. Okay,
1: so it's quite an interesting idea, because we are people think a little bit right now after what we learned but mm-hmm. actually okay we thought that the biggest problem of people is that especially those like normal workers they have really low level of savings and if there's any unexpected spending like the, your car broke down or you have to pay for the medicine bills or whatever you have a lot of stress so our like initial idea was okay maybe we can give people flexible access to the salary so they can just, they don't have to wait until the payday to get money. If they just want money two weeks before the payday because it is needed, they should be able just to use it because they earned it. Mm-hmm. So why not access money that you actually earned? Our like, idea was okay. This is really outdated that we still get this salary once a month. And in the meantime, we are paying a lot for overdraft fees, for those aggressive credits, payday loans, or we, we, we pay for, for credit cards. So basically our, our original idea was okay. Uh, let's help people to better understand their salary, track their salary in our app. So in our app, the users, they can see actually how much they made every month. And I think it's quite important to say, okay, we work mostly with, people, with the workers of factories, supermarket chains, but also like drivers, like Uber drivers or, or, or both drivers. And for all, for all of, of our users, we have like a two major problems. So one is low level of savings. So you don't have a safety net or financial in just to use just in case. Second problem is that you have volatile earnings, meaning you earn different amount of money every week. Your costs are fixed. You you pay the same amount of uh, money for rent, but your revenues are volatile. So we just help our users to smooth their income on one hand. Second, we give them this emergency backup just in case something wrong happened and they have Mm -hmm. to spend money faster. So this is how our solution works, and we do not change the pay cycle of our clients. So we provide the capital, we integrate with the payroll system. It's really frictionless just to launch Symmetrical for your employees. It's just your choice. So this is how we started. And then interesting thing is that after a few months working with our users, talking to our users and talking to the employers, we just realized that the root cause of the problems of the majority of the population is somewhere else.
0: That they're not saving money
1: or they're spending yes, too much? So savings, saving, not saving money, spending too much, wrong financial habits is the root cause of the financial problems. What we, we started at the, the wrong place because we should have started with savings and building financial habits. And we are doing this right now. So what we realize is that we need to educate our users in practice through gamification, how to save, because they don't really know that they should save. They don't know how much they should save. So that's the, that's the first thing. Second thing is we we have to show the users that they should not spend money as crazy. You no, know, they are attacked by everyone. People are attacked by everyone, like from the take a loan or buy the new TV, buy new clothes. In the long run, it is not sustainable at all. I mean that, we don't we as a civilization we don't need so many things. They that those things they do not make us ha- more happy, and we just cannot. Our economy and environment cannot stay alive if we just continue this consumption way of of living. So our app is right now is changing a lot. So it is not only access to money and tracking money, but it is like cool savings feature. It is financial education and helping the users to build the right financial habits. And we believe that this is the right way to go.
0: This is fascinating, actually, because we as society are constantly prompted to spend. I found myself today, actually, going through work and emails and i had a thought of like oh i should go to amazon and then i realized like oh but you don't need anything it's like i i literally could not think of anything i could buy through amazon and i was like what a fascinating trick my own mind is playing on me because i did not see any ad or anything but it's just the habit of i have prime so i like to spend money and i have money to spend but i really don't need anything
1: and you know if you look at the financial market and if you look at the brands in financial market, it, they really suck. You know, what's the what's job to be done of like a banking gap for the, for the user? It's just the infrastructure for transactions. And my feeling is that nobody really cares about people. Nobody re- really cares about their well being. Everyone wants just to sell more credits, insurance products. My feeling is that this is what our like ambition to, to do with Symmetrical is to build like really sustainable financial brands really showing people things that matters and helping them just to make better financial decisions and even just inject a kind of like hacker mindset just to save money, not spend, think twice before you do something. So basically, I, I believe it's a huge opportunity right now.
0: Why do you think it's such a problem right now? What are the main reasons why people are so absent-minded when it comes to money?
1: Yeah, so I, I would say that first, first is like the lack, complete lack of education. We learn about chemistry, physics, a lot of stuff, but we don't know how to create and manage your, our budget. Nobody really educates us how to, how to manage our budget, so that's the first thing. Second thing, if you look from the economic perspective at the, at the changes we, we see right now, even if you look at the middle class in the Western world, it is getting poorer and poorer in the last like 20 years. And the, the next generation middle class will be people with having a lot of credits, financial problems, financial stress. And the, the challenge is that you know, the, people are just attacked by just one type of communication. So buy now, pay later, you know, buy a new fashionable brands or, or, or something. And we don't really think about like our finance from the, from the long perspective. So that's the first thing. Second is I think that because of the nature of the economy and compound interest, I believe that the difference between people who earn the most and earn the least will be growing and growing in time and just just the math. So basically, I would say that because of capital generates so great returns, so people who own capital, they, they get richer and richer and the worth of our work is like getting lower and lower in time. That means that there will be more and more people in this really weaker sit- financial situation and they will have to handle it somehow.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating how, well, compounding effects work both ways, really, right? So they work in a positive way and in a negative way. And if you're, you know, the minute you're, you, when you start losing, you're so much more like to keep on losing because yes. it has a tremendous mental um, impact on you and your on your ability to pick yourself back up and, and go back there. And also just financially, it makes you, you know, once you start making bad decisions, it really kind of gets you into that rabbit hole of terrible decisions. So, yeah, I agree.
1: And you know, one interesting thing. So basically, what was the result of coronavirus for financial markets? So a lot of people have time and they started to install apps like Robinhood, Mm -hmm. starting to invest like crazy all over the world. And those apps create this user experience that investing is a game, like betting. And, and basically we have millions of new betters trying to do very risky deals all over the world. So it, I think that in the long run, it is totally wrong for the financial well-being. On the other hand, we see a lot of like players like buy now, pay later, just trying also just do, okay, you can buy something and pay for it later. And then a lot of people just do it because they don't know the consequences. And then they just have a lot of, a lot, a lot of financial problems. So the problem is that the economy works in a way that promotes the, the wrong incentives. And that is uh, just a couple of examples from my industry, but I'm pretty sure that in most of the industries, unfortunately, the, the wrong incentives are promoted.
0: Yeah, most businesses today are predicated on the idea that people will continue buying more and uh, will continue to spend more. So nobody's, it's, it's in nobody's interest that people start saving money even though this is how the society prevails and like the humanity yeah. prevails. And I think the other challenging point for people is to have that long-term vision. So this is why people are so much more inclined to be like, okay, well, I, I, I get this today. The fact that it will screw me over in the next 20 years because I have to pay it back. It's not so much of a problem because you cannot imagine, I guess, the, the yeah. consequences. So yeah. That's true. yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the initial feedback that you're getting from users as they're getting those educational pieces from you guys?
1: Yeah, so it's, it is very positive. My thought was, okay, those people who are like lower income with really basic education, they will not really care about this. But then what we just realized is that you know, our like average user, they they earn like, I don't know, 800 euros per month. As for Poland, it's not much. And then they have just to pay for the you know children things and and so on so basically both of our users they already had to create those internal systems to manage their finance uh-huh. and the fun fun thing for us was that very often those those users with very low wages they are more smart in terms of how, how not to spend too much to the to the users who are like uh-huh. better off like we have of course some users like students or millennials working for the corporations, also use our app from different reasons, but our feeling is that people really need this. People need a better way to budget. They need help, they need tools, and I'm pretty sure that they would use those new features just to handle their like budgets and financial situation better.
0: And how is uh, working with the employers? Are they opening up, especially in the context of 2020, to bring more of that financial equality to their employees
1: definitely yes but not always which means that so what we when we started to sell our solution what we realized is that the crucial point if you we were to be successful or not with the sales process is the, the corporate culture That's so if your corporate culture is based on trust and transparency those employees are really more prone to using our solution implementing our solution and, and so on but Still, in our country, there are a lot of employers with a very paternalistic mm-hmm. approach to the employees. We talked to some of the HR people. They told us, we don't want to implement flexible wages or even transparent wages. the employees because we don't want people to know really what's what's their salary and then we also think that if somebody can access their salary earlier they will just drink and they will not go to job and they will have more problems and see maybe it is that the corporate culture also is connected to the type of people you hire so maybe it's it's just if you have this kind of philosophy you just bring different kind of people with your corporate culture than those responsible people so, what we say is that we are a solution for responsible employers employing responsible people. For me, I would say that we have the anti persona, which is like more important than the person of, of our business. There were a lot of cases in which we refused to cooperate to with the client because we just thought, okay, the philosoph- we don't like the philosophy. We don't know. There were some clients who just did not want to, people to, you know, to, to, to know how much they made. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff
0: which is insane, yeah.
1: Yes, and the cool stuff is that a lot of our users told us that they just want to be able to put in limits for themselves in our app. And you you would not expect even those like people who who really like any education. And they just told us, okay guys, we just want to have to limit the maximum payouts to 30% of my salary. So just in case I would not spend too much. So people really think about those things and really try to control themselves and build those automations for, for themselves just to be better off and manage your budget better.
0: Yeah, because I think this is a big problem for me as well, right? That like in the bank or in my bank account, I don't have a real limit. My limit is that I transfer money somewhere else or I invest it in something. So it's not there, but I have to do all of this. And I think what people are asking for is, can please somebody take this away from me? It's it's very helpful that your app um, allows for people to to dynamically set it up and and then manage it uh, for you. So that's great. I think we have a nice roundup of what Symmetrical is doing. And then our favorite interview question, where do you guys see yourself in five years? What's the long-term vision right now for
1: the company? Okay, we just discussed this internally and we just created a new mission and vision. And we exactly know where we are heading. So our mission is to bring financial power to people through through their salary. And we believe that the salary is a hidden financial power, which can be used by by people just to leverage their position against the financial institutions in connection to the employers. But what we really want to do is to build new technological infrastructure for the salary payouts of the next generation. Our like, long-term vision, what we want to achieve right now, if you think about salary, it is really strictly connected to your employer. So your, your employer controls your salary. And you get access to this money only when it is like sent from the employer to your bank account. Our vision for the long run is to create a new technology that will enable portability of your salary account. So we believe mm-hmm. that, it, that what is the future of work? I believe that the future of work is that everyone will wear a lot of hats, meaning that everyone would be a freelancer, and they, you know, there will be a lot of people having a lot of companies at the same, like uh, employees at the same time. So if you're like really specialized in a niche something, you can just use your knowledge more efficiently for more organizations and we believe that the salary of the future or salary account of the future will be connected to you not to the employer so you will just give this employer access to your salary account and then you can keep your track record of work with you and our vision is that symmetrical app would be this digital ledger or digital salary account which which will be close to you and you will be managing it and you will be connecting it to the banking apps. So basically in the long run, I would like, I would love every person in awards to be paid in real time, flexibly, and to be able to connect their salary accounts to existing banking apps, so they can access their money when they need it everywhere.
0: That sounds awesome. And it would truly then enable people to connect their value, right, with the payout. Be able to see in real time how much value they're bringing and how much that empowers them.
1: So I believe that, really, I believe that in the long run, everyone would be an entrepreneur by in, in his own way. So being responsible for, for his financial situation and, you know, so... We just want to execute execute of this vision. And I really believe that this is the trend.
0: With your optimism and your persistence, I think that's the only way to go, no? I hope yeah. that this will be very true. And before we wrap up, like you said, the, for you, the future of work is that we're all in some way are going to be freelancing and being very entrepreneurial, which is fantastic vision again. But what are the main leadership lessons that you learned this year starting your, a new business and with the current pandemic? How do you see that changing the way you're going to be leading in the future?
1: I would say that this year was extremely difficult for us, and it was a roller coaster. I mean, at, at the beginning of the year, we had a great traction, and we served mostly hospitality restaurants, hotels, and so on. And when the coronavirus hit the market, we were not prepared. In a week, we lost 80% of users. 80% of traction some of our clients went bankrupt and we were running out of money so basically all the bad things happened collided everything same time. Yeah. and march april this year it was difficult we had to have zoom meetings all of the day and we felt fatigue it was like a existential threat to our organization and we had we had to sh- become leaders in the real leaders in a very virtual, you know, context because we could not meet and we ha- we just had just to talk to our team, one by one because you know the situation was like, there was a risk that we would close the business in, in a month if we if we did not yeah. fundraise money, and luckily we just managed to raise the the big round from great investors who who trusted us and everything is fine and we pivoted and we are building those new features. But you know my my lesson is that this is my fourth business. And I just thought that I knew it all and now it would be a piece of cake. And my lesson is that those like really critical situations really build the corporate culture and really teach you how to how to lead, how to manage people. So right now it's a it's quite difficult to say, but from my perspective, the biggest challenge is how to build corporate culture in, in a way that we are not meeting each other and manage to, to do so and we spend a lot of time on how to organize our work. So we are not in the silos so that the team do not meet only the team members for a, for a month. So we have a lot of like cross team meetings. We had to have a lot of one-to-ones talking about the future of company. Everyone could adapt to this, to this situation. And those like critical moments really make you a great leader. I would tell you also one, one thing, which is that because we told all of our team members, guys, you know, we have money just for the next like two, two or three months. If you don't feel that comfortable, you can search for, for, for a new job and just tell us that you want to leave. And then we told people that they, they are getting pay cuts for the organization to survive longer. And the good thing was that nobody really opts out. And what people told us what they are saying is that they really love our mission. They love our vision. They love our culture. And they believe in us as leaders just to make it happen. So it was like a very good feeling. But I would say that having really strong or organizational culture, mission, and you know, employees really feeling that you're, you're doing something important for, for the society. It it also helps you just to lead through the storm.
0: Are you guys thinking about 2021 and going into this flexible mode then? Because I assume that everybody's missing everyone and they just want to be at least in the same room every once in a while to enjoy working with all of this, you know, the the whole amazing crew that is trying to build Symmetrical. What is your idea for how you're going to organize the work in the next year?
1: We approached this in, in a very de- decentralized way, meaning that it is every team who just manage their routines and how they want to work. So basically, okay. we have teams like which meet each, o- each other very often, like in, in the office, and we have this flex office uh, right now. So when right I'm working for my office. So basically mm-hmm. any team can come to the office and work out of office if they want. And we use office space for more brainstorming or more like kind of like Meetings that really require creativity. And a lot of work is done uh, remotely and it would stay with us. Another new thing for our organization is that we started to hire people internationally. And I think that it was a like, big mistake for us that we just, we are very like, concentrated on, on Poland and, and Warsaw when building the business at the very beginning. Uh, trying to have everyone in the, in the, the same office and so, and so on. And right now we are just much more open-minded feeling that, okay, there's a talent everywhere. And everyone with a new cultural context uh, or they will bring something new to the organization. It will increase the diversity of the organization and maybe we can get, have better ideas. A lot of our existing employees, they just moved somewhere. So we have a person working out from the, the heart of the mountains in Poland because he loves mountains and he's like mountaineering every second day. And That's we have awesome. a person who, who just moved to Spain because he just loved, loved the climate of, Sp- of Spain. So right now we are a fully remote organization. And I believe that this COVID situation also gave us a chance to rethink the way we hire people, the way we just, what kind of organization we want to, to become and so no, our recent hires are like from all over the world so we just this know, is fantastic somebody. yeah from from you know, cologne germany uh, spain and and so on uh, so so basically i think it it creates a lot of new opportunities for the organization to grow internationally
0: that's i think the best and the most valuable lesson that employers got this year you can get talent from anywhere in the world and If you really want to, your organization can be global very quickly. And so this is fantastic that you guys are hiring. So shout out to all of our listeners that Symmetrical is hiring. You can check out their websites. It's all going to be in the show notes. You can reach out to Piotr via LinkedIn as well. I'll also put your LinkedIn in so people can maybe talk to you and at least follow you and see what you're up to. With every guest, before I let them go, I do three out of 10 questions. There are random questions about anything. So pick three numbers, and then you get to talk about. Okay, so it would be
1: three, six, and nine.
0: Three is what's the best thing that came out of this new normal for you?
1: The best thing for me was that I could spend a lot of time with my family and my newly born uh, daughter. And I just got great and exciting time that I think that it was the best thing that could happen this, in this year.
0: What about question six? Which of the jobs that you've had or the things you've done were the most transformative for your career?
1: In the second class of high school, I was the construction worker in, in the UK. Mm-hmm. So I barely could speak English because I just did, did not have opportunity to, to learn at all too much. And basically I, I spent like three months working on the construction site in Bournemouth. For me, it was like a, it's the first experience I just saw like big words. And I just realized, mm-hmm. okay, I just want to travel. I just want to learn new things, new cultures and so on. Second, I just realized that, okay, I don't want to be a physical worker, definitely. And Entra- definitely entrepreneur, definitely. So that was the that was the, the second learning. The, f- the third funny thing, was that i just also learned about strategic thinking it's oh because, interesting yeah because you know why I, I just went to uk with my friends and sorry for saying this we smuggled a lot of mm. packages of cigarettes and, and as you I do when you're young yes and i did not smoke but my friends used to smoke and basically we sold those cigarettes like the very first day for, for a very good price so i could technically I could not, I even could not work for the whole summer having like a free time. I just wanted to work just to bring more money home. But my friends, they just told themselves, okay, we will not smoke. And they sold all the cigarettes. And then they started to smoke and they started to buy like 10 times more expensive cigarettes in the the shops. And they technically, they did not bring anything back home because whatever they earned, they just spend on like parties, cigarettes, and so on. I, I was the only one who just brought money back home. So they just realized that strategic thinking is really important. And knowing about the consequences of your decision is really, really important.
0: That's fascinating how much you can learn in the school of life. Yes. Really. That's so cool. That's a very cool story. And uh, last question is the best book that you read this year. So we this talked year, about I books think- a little bit, but maybe you can... Yes.
1: What you do is who you are. I, I would just recommend this book. It is about okay, what patterns you can take from the Japanese culture and uh, mm-hmm. like samurai culture, or you know, there the were great example of the the chief of the gang in, in in the U.S. How he just built this corporate culture within the gang and how he leveraged the organization and like crazy stuff. And then you see when you read about this, you can see that every organization every company but in general organization is just a group of people with the same dynamics and with human feelings and you know people are the same everywhere so basically a lot of like very valuable lessons to growing your your organization
0: thank you so much for all the answers they're all helpful answers i love the story about cigarettes and not being very strategic very good lesson to learn from your young friends back in high school thanks so much for taking the time and i know you're super busy but that was uh, very very interesting and i hope it will also help you get more talent great, great. stuff. i hope
1: so thank you yeah.
0: thanks again